Good morning, everyone. How's everybody this morning? All righty. <laughs> he's, he's holy. Yeah, he is. Y'all know. He is. All right. So uh, before we stand today, let's uh, have everybody who has a birthday in, what is this, March? In March, uh, raise your hand. All right. We got a few. That's right. That's good. Um, <laughs> all right, so what we'll do, let's stand together. We'll sing happy birthday to Amy and baby E. All right. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right. Now that you all know Amy's birthday, you'll be, uh, she'll be expecting some gifts from you also. I'm just kidding. Just. That's all right. That's all right. Get it out. Get it out. All right. Well, somebody give the Lord praise or thanks for something he is, does, or will do.
No one else wants to say anything. We're going to read from Psalm 150 today. Psalm 150. Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And this psalm reminds us that the Lord likes things loud, right? Loud, clashing cymbals, shouts, and all this stuff. We're supposed to be doing these things when we worship the Lord. Somehow we've gotten into a place where we just we keep our heads down and keep our voices down and don't want to be too loud. We might wake somebody up. Well, the Lord wants us to be excited about serving Him. That's what we do when we come to worship Him. So if you're not too expressive in worship, I'm not really that expressive. Try something new today. Let's, let's shout out to the Lord and, and clap our hands and do those things because the Lord wants those things from us. So we're going to worship Him through song, but first we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Now's the time for communion. 
As you came through the entry door, you should have received a communion packet. Also, if you didn't receive one, I believe there's some back there uh, by the entrance to the sanctuary. Um, the top looks like a cracker, which is the unleavened bread, which is the undefiled body of Christ, which is broken for us. The second portion, the juice, is Christ's blood shed for you. I would do a short reading, we'll have time to meditate, and then we invite anyone who is in Christ to participate in communion. God's word warns us to examine our hearts so that we don't take it in an unworthy manner. So I'm going to read a few verses from Isaiah that were a hundred years before Jesus was born about Jesus. Isaiah 40, starting in verse number one, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. I just recently uh, was paying my credit card and me and the internet sometimes don't get along. And so I paid it, and then I get back to the page, and I'm like, man, it's still on there. So I hit it again. Well, that one thing that most people don't, aren't rich enough to see, I had a parenthesis that I paid double for my credit card. Fortunately, they were able to fix it. But just thinking about how Jesus could pay double for our sins. No matter how many kids are born next year, the year after, 50 million years, that Jesus' sin, or Jesus' blood covered all those sins back when he was alive, in the future, and today. And Isaiah 49, 6, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. What an amazing Savior. God didn't just promise to Israel. He went bigger. He gave his perfect son to teach and lay his life down as a sacrifice for sin and to empower us to be like Jesus through the new covenant, not just to Israel, but also to us. Israel's sins were too big, and it was impossible for Israel to pay their sins. In fact, the punishment on Jesus not only paid for the sins of Israel's, but paid for ours. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for giving us a new covenant, one that's everlasting and paying for our sins. Also, thank you that your blood signed that new covenant, which gave us a promise of the Holy Spirit, which caused us, us to follow you and love you for the rest of the, our time on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Good morning. Now is the time in the service for announcements. Um, out in the foyer underneath the TV, um, there are two bins that are for the pill bottle donation uh, for Matthew 25 Ministries. The next one is for used ink cartridges. Um, they help lots of things. The ink cartridges help um, reduce office costs um, here for the church, and the pill bottles are used all over the world. Breakfast Fellowship, first Sunday of the month, was today, 9.30. Breakfast is better when we eat together. If you have any questions, um, talk to Carol. Empty Nesters, um, we're reading the book, Women of the Bible. Uh, first discussion last week was on Potiphar's wife. Um, this week we will be discussing Mothers of Moses. Um, started last week. If you didn't make it or you have questions about how to join that group, you can talk to Sharon Ponchuk. Um, I will say... Every other Monday evening, if you can't make it during the day to Empty Nesters, some of the ladies are meeting at Starbucks in Milford in front of Meyer from 6 to 8 p.m. So that's every other Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. If you have any questions about that, let me know. If you don't have the book, that's okay. We're there just to encourage each other, too. Food Pantry, Closed Closet, Thursday, um, every five, every Thursday, 5 to 7 um, there's a list of most frequently needed items. Um, donations can be dropped off here at the church uh, Thursdays 5 to 7 or Sundays um, around service time. Refit, free dance fitness class here Tuesday and Thursday, 6.30 to 7.30. If you have any questions, follow the whoop whoop. Um, Good Friday service. Um, this will be the first year we're going to participate in something like this. Um, it's going to be April 7th at 7 p.m., and uh, Josh, do you want to speak to that? So, decided to do a Good Friday service this year. Like she said, April 7th, 7 p.m. What we're going to do is something a little bit more formal than we normally do with communion. That we're going to come in, read a little bit about Christ and his him being placed under rest and crucified. We're going to do communion and sing some songs. So we'd love to see you all up here. Um, it'll be here in the sanctuary. It'll last about an hour, maybe a little bit longer. So if you guys are available, we'd love to see you. Goshen Community Easter Egg Hunt is going to be Saturday, April 8th at 11 a.m. Heartland is collecting 5,000. You guys see all those zeros? 5,000 eggs. So we are, you know, depending on you guys to bring them in. Um, we would like them filled with candy or stickers, small toys. Um, this will be like our third, I think it's our third year doing it. They took a break for COVID. But um, if you're on Facebook, you can look up Goshen Community um, Egg Hunt. It's, there's, um, I can't even count how many kids, probably more than 5,000. At least it looks that way with all their legs running around. Um, but we need the eggs, we need the candy. You don't have to stuff them. You don't have to bring one of each. Whatever you feel like you wanna um, donate is great. Um, yeah, we appreciate it, thank you. Goshen Community Garden Planning Meeting. Um, this is gonna be Monday, March 20th here at um, Heartland at 6.30. Um, so we are looking for anyone who's interested in learning what this will look like, how you can help, how you can ask donations of other people. It's not just um, donated items, but it's gonna be your time and love being poured into this new community garden. Um, it is gonna be here on the church grounds. So if you just have questions, you just wanna come and listen to what's, what's happening here at the church, um, we'd love to see you there. 
four ways to give uh, for missions, offering tithing, in person, offering boxes in the back, online at our website. There's a texting option and on the Faith Life app. Now is time for 10-minute meet and greet. I see the world on the edge of revival I think it's only a matter of time So do what only you
All righty. Getting ready to uh, get ready to jump into the word together. Walk, yeah, that's cool. Jump, dive, walk. So let's uh, let's turn together our Bibles today to Matthew chapter six. And we're going to read verses 9 through 15, Matthew 6, 9 through 15. And when you find that in your Bible, please stand for the reading of God's Word. The title of today's teaching is Praying the Lord's Prayer. Praying the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 6, 9 through 15, Jesus says to His disciples, Therefore, pray in this manner, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For if you forgive men for their sins... Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men for their sins, neither will your Father forgive your sins. You may be seated. How many of you have trouble with uh, thinking about what to pray about? Maybe some of you didn't hear me. How many of you have had trouble with thinking about what to pray about? A lot of us have, that's one of the biggest struggles that you hear from people in the church. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about. So what should be our focus in prayer? Should there be any structure to our prayers or should we just pray whatever comes into our minds? What What should we be asking God to give us? Well, the Lord Jesus answers all those questions in today's passage. In what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us six petitions we should all pray to our Father daily. And that's what we'll talk about today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you to open our eyes so that we may see wonderful things in your word and make us more than hearers of your word. Empower us to also be doers as you continually fill us with your spirit and give us your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first petition we should pray to our Father daily is, Father, sanctify us. And notice in verse 9, Jesus teaches us to start this prayer with the phrase, Our Father who is in heaven. Jesus does not teach us to pray, My Father, but Our Father. And by beginning the prayer in this way, Jesus immediately connects us with every other member of the body of Christ. So every time we say this prayer, it reminds us we're a part of God's family. We're a part of something bigger than ourselves. You know, it's vital that we understand we cannot live this life alone. We cannot be a Christian alone, even though the way the gospel is presented to most of us, we act as if we can do it alone. We can be Christians on our couch at the house. We can be, you get what I'm saying? We don't have to be around anybody else. But everyone who tries to do this alone will sooner or later be deceived by demons or devoured by the devil. To be a Christian means we're a part of a larger community 
of Christ followers. We're a part of the body of Christ. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer daily, we're praying for God's people all over the world. And God's people all over the world are praying this same prayer for us to the same God and Father of us all. Now, think about the word Father for a minute. Some people have had a bad relationship with their earthly father. But Jesus tells us to address God as our Father, right? We don't want to project the relationship we may have had with our earthly father onto our heavenly father. Jesus tells us to address God as our Father. And this is a mind-blowing truth that we need to meditate on and ask God to help us really understand. So when we're born again, the Lord of all creation... The God who spoke and the universe was formed. The all-powerful, all-knowing, always-present, the good, merciful, kind, compassionate God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, that God is our loving, caring, heavenly Father. So when we approach God's throne of grace through prayer, we're praying to the living God. We're approaching the God who is our loving, heavenly Father. And he's always available to meet the needs of all his children. And at the end of Matthew 6, 9, Jesus tells us what God's children should focus on first when we approach our Heavenly Father in prayer. Jesus tells us to pray to the Father, hallowed be your name. Now, the word hallowed means to honor something as holy. So our first priority in prayer should always be to honor God's name as holy. God's name is God's character. It's who God is. So when we pray for God's name to be honored as holy, what we're asking the Father to do is do something in us. We're asking Him to help us, to help His people to live lives that bring honor to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, it's as God's children who are called by His name live holy lives that God's holy name is honored by us. And this is why the Scriptures tell us multiple times to do what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16. Peter says, but as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. God is holy. And God commands those who serve him to be like him, to be holy as he is holy. We're called to be holy in all of our conduct. So whatever we think, whatever we say, whatever we do, God expects us to be holy as He is holy. And when we ask our Father to hallow His name, He will give us the grace to do that. So many people talk as if we can't do what God tells us to do. He tells us to be holy like He's holy. People say, oh, there's no way we can do that. We're just a bunch of sinners. Well, that's not what the Scriptures teach. The Scriptures teach us to be holy. God expects us to be holy, and God gives us His grace to be holy. So when God's people live holy lives, we show the world what our holy heavenly Father is like. So God's people are supposed to be a radiant reflection of our heavenly Father's holy character. You know, week after week, I've been saying the same thing over and over to try to get us to expand our understanding of why the Son of God became a human being. That God's Son became like us so that that through our union with Him, we could become like God so that humanity could escape the corruption of the world, share in the divine nature, and through God's grace be transformed from sinners into saints. 
holy ones who radiantly reflect our, God, our, our Father's holy character in all of our conduct. When we look around at the Christian world, especially in our society, do we see that? Do we see people who radiantly reflect the holy character of God? Absolutely not. We don't see that, do we? But what's the reason for that? Was well, because we've been taught wrong. We've been taught to focus on the wrong things. See, Jesus teaches us to pray daily for the Father to sanctify us. And that's what we should be praying for. But not only just praying for it, but actually trying to live that life. See, when we ask God to sanctify us, we want God to empower us to honor His holy name through our holy conduct. So what is holy conduct? Does it have to do with uh, jean skirts and buns in your hair and things like this? Is that what holy conduct is about? Holy conduct is Christ-like conduct. It's behavior that conforms us to God's standards of righteousness, the standards that we find in God's Word. So as we learn God's Word and we obey God's Word through God's grace, we become more and more holy. We separate further and further from the wicked ways of the world, and we draw closer and closer to God. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit transforms us from one degree of glory to another as we take on God's holy character. So that's the first petition we should pray daily. Father, sanctify us. The second petition Jesus teaches us to pray daily is, Father, rule in us. Now, at the beginning of Matthew 6.10, Jesus says we should pray pray to the Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we pray for our Father's kingdom to come, we're asking God to rule our lives. We're surrendering our will to God's will. Jesus taught his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and to teach those disciples to obey everything Jesus commanded. And why is it important that we learn all that Jesus commanded and obey those commands? Well, it's because through the commands of King Jesus, God establishes his rule in the people on the earth. Through the commands of King Jesus, God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I want you to imagine a place where everyone does to others as we want others to do to us. A place where every individual is more concerned about the greater good of the community than we are about our own personal interest. A place where everyone is patient and kind. No one is envious or self-serving or self-seeking. No one is proud or arrogant. No one is rude or irritable. A place where everyone bears with the weaknesses of others. Everyone believes the best about others. Everyone is eager to forgive, and no one keeps a record of the wrongs of others. A place where we carry one another's burdens, build one another up, and bless one another. A place where everyone loves God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and everyone loves their neighbor as themselves. Now, that might have sounded like a political speech by someone running for president, <clears throat> but that's not at all what it is. With the, wor- <laughs> with the world the way it is now, a place like that may be hard to imagine. A place like that may seem out of our reach. But listen, the place I just described is the kind of place the church is supposed to be. The church should be a thriving community of Christ followers who demonstrate what it looks like 
to live in heaven. When people come into the church, they should say, oh, this is just like heaven on earth, right? You know, somewhere in John's gospel, Jesus said he did nothing and said nothing on his own, right? He did, he did not come to do his own will, but the will of the Father who sent him. So Jesus completely submitted his will to the Father, to the will of the Father. And the famous prayer Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane was the theme of his life. Father, not my will, but your will be done. So in all of his words and of all of his actions, Jesus only said and did what the Father told him to say and do. And Jesus expects all of his disciples to submit our will to the Father in exactly the same way. To give our Heavenly Father complete control of our lives. And our God, again, will give us the grace to do that if we'll submit ourselves to him and pray daily, Father, rule in us. The third petition Jesus tells us to pray daily is, Father, sustain us. In Matthew 6, 11, Jesus tells us to ask our Father to give us this day our daily bread. And when we ask the Father to give us our daily bread, we're humbly asking him to sustain us, to supply us with whatever we need, both physically and spiritually, to live for today. And when we pray this prayer daily, we're reminded daily of the story of the Exodus. When the Lord brought his people out of slavery in Egypt so that they could worship him and serve him, part of that deliverance was that the Lord promised his people that he would sustain them and supply their daily bread from heaven. So every day the Lord's people had to rely on the Lord to make this bread appear on the ground, and they had to go out and gather it. God's people were, and God's people were only allowed to gather enough bread for one day, except on Fridays, when the Lord supplied two days' worth of food, two days' worth of bread, so his people could rest on Saturday, which was the Sabbath. So on every other day, if the Lord's people gathered more than a day's worth of bread, the bread wasn't any good. The, the bread would grow worms, and it would start to stink, and it would be useless the next day. So every day, the Lord's people had to go to the Lord and rely on the Lord to sustain them. And as it was with the Lord's people back then, it's the same with us now. We must also rely on our Heavenly Father to sustain us every day, to give us bread from heaven every day. That we cannot carry yesterday's bread over into today. Otherwise, our lives start to stink and start to spoil and become useless. So yesterday's bread cannot sustain us today. We got to go to God every morning to get the bread we need for today. And this is true not only of our physical food, but much more of our spiritual food. So like our bodies need to be nourished with physical food daily, our, our spirits need to be nourished with spiritual food daily. And where do we get this spiritual food from God? Well, we, do, we get it by feeding on the Scriptures. As Jesus says in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So just like we all spend time daily filling our stomachs with food to sustain us physically, we also need to spend time daily filling our spirits with the Word of God to sustain us spiritually. And we find, again, we find the Word of God in the Scriptures. 
So scripture reading or scripture listening or some other way of feeding our spirits the bread of life in God's word, it has got to be one of our top priorities every single day of our lives. And I hear people often say, I don't have time to read the scripture, I don't have time to do any of that. Well, if we don't have time to feed on the scriptures daily, well, then we need to cut something else out of our lives. Because it's by feeding on the scriptures daily that we grow in our salvation. We grow to become like the Lord wants us to be. So if we have to cut something out of our lives, then we need to do that. Maybe cut out one of our physical meals and spend that time feeding, on, feeding our spirits with the scriptures instead. Because through feeding on every word that comes from the mouth of God in the scriptures, we get what we need to sustain us, sustain us spiritually. And again, we can't use yesterday's bread to sustain us today. We got to go to the word every single day and read it, absorb it, do these things so that we can be sustained spiritually. <clears throat> so as we pray daily, Father, sustain us. Let's also make sure that we're taking time every day to feed on the word of God that comes down to us through the scriptures. But the fourth petition we should pray daily is, Father, forgive us. In Matthew 6, 12, Jesus tells us to ask our Father to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, this part of the Lord's Prayer teaches us that self-examination and confession of sin must be our daily practice. Now, the words debt, or, sorry, the word debt is another way of saying sins. Forgive us our debts is the same as saying forgive us our sins. And this is made clear by the parallel passage in Luke 11.4. There Jesus says, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So when we sin against God or we sin against other people, our sins put us in debt to those people. And that's a debt that none of us want to pay. We don't want to pay the debt of sin. So we need to pray daily to have our sin debt forgiven. Now, this does not mean that we practice sin or live in sin as Christians. we got to be careful when we're talking about these things. See, the Scriptures say if we willfully keep on sinning, if we willfully keep on breaking God's law, if lawlessness is still our lifestyle, then we've never seen God or known God. It doesn't matter what we say about God. Scriptures say we're liars. If we don't follow God's commands, we lie and we don't know God. Scriptures also say, the one who is born of God cannot continue in willful sin. So if Christians do not live in sin anymore and we can't continue in willful sin, then why does Jesus teach us to pray daily for forgiveness? Well, think back to the first petition of the Lord's Prayer where we ask God, or we ask the Father to sanctify us. Sanctification or becoming holy as God is holy, well, that's a process. Christ's followers are in a process where every part of our character is being molded to match the holy character of Christ. And in any area where our character is not conformed to Christ's image, well, we're missing the mark. Jesus is the mark that we're all aiming at. He's what we should be aiming toward to be like Christ. When we're missing the mark, if, we're, if our character is not conformed there, we're sinning. That's what the Scriptures call it. We're sinning, and we need that part of our character to be made holy. And this process is accomplished as we learn God's will through God's word and then learn to live out God's will through God's grace. Well, part of that process is daily self-examination, 
daily laying our lives open before God and asking Him to show us where we've missed the mark, where we've not been like Jesus, and then asking God to forgive us, to fix us, and to form us into the image of Christ. So that's why we pray daily, Father, forgive us. And I want you to notice something that we talked about last week in Matthew 6, 14. Jesus tells us there's a condition to having our sins forgiven by our Father. Jesus says, for if you forgive men for their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sin, for their sins, neither will your Father forgive your sins. Notice the little word, the little two-letter word here, the word if. And that's one of the most important words in that sentence, in the, in the paragraph there. Jesus says, if we forgive the sins of others, our Father will forgive our sins. But if we do not forgive others, our Father will not forgive us. And no matter how many people tell us, as I heard, I was uh, looking at something on Facebook. I don't even know how I got here. But I was on there and I was looking and people were debating about what about our sins or all of our sins forgiven past, present, and future. There's this debate about it. And what we just read shows us that all of our sins are not forgiven past, present, and future. That's a lie from the devil to keep people from doing what Jesus tells us to do. We're to conf- if we have to confess our sins to be forgiven and we have to forgive others to be forgiven, then our future sins cannot be forgiven. I mean, can't already be forgiven because of what Christ did. Now, our sins are forgiven because of what Christ did, but it's only applied to us when we do what the Scriptures say. When we live in connection with Christ, it's only then that we're forgiven for our sins. So when you hear people debate about these things, just run them over to what Jesus said. Jesus said, if we don't forgive others, we won't be forgiven. So therefore, our sins are not automatically forgiven. we got to do some things to make sure that we're right with the Lord. Now, James puts this even more bluntly in James 2.13. He says, There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. And I can guarantee you none of us want God to judge us without mercy. That's going to be a terrible day for a lot of people. Our God is a consuming fire, and it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. None of us want to be in that position. So as we pray daily, Father, forgive us, let's also ask ourselves, have I forgiven others who have sinned against me? If not, then we need to make that right. And I know forgiving others can seem impossible. People say all the time, you don't know what they've done, you don't know what this person did. Yeah, I don't know, but the Lord knows. And the Lord... uh, hanging from a cross where he did nothing, just, he committed no sin. The one who committed, he's hanging from a cross. And what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Has anybody done anything as bad as nailing you to a cross? Has anybody done that to you? Jesus is our example for this. He doesn't tell us to do something he's not done. Forgive people as God forgives you. See, God does not give us any command without giving us the grace to obey it. So if God tells us to forgive everybody who sins against us, then I've got to believe that we, God will give us the grace to do just that. So if you're struggling to forgive someone for some sin that they've committed against you, well, just ask God to help you with that. Ask God to help you be merciful to others as God is so merciful to you. The fifth petition we should pray daily is, Father, protect us. At the beginning of Matthew 6, 13, Jesus tells us to pray and lead us not into temptation. So that brings up 
an important question. Does God tempt us? Does God bring people into temptation? Well, listen to what James says about this in James 1.13. James says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt anyone. So does God tempt, does God tempt anyone? No. God does test everyone, but he does not bring us into temptation. So if God does not bring us into temptation, then why do we need to ask God daily not to bring us into temptation? Why would we need to ask God to do something that he would never do? But when we ask God not to bring us into temptation, we're asking God not to allow us to be overcome by the sin that easily ensnares us or to be overtaken by Satan. So we're asking God to protect us and keep us from being enticed and led astray by the things that will cause us to fall into sin. We're asking God to protect us from being drawn into the things that we're likely to be drawn into. So whatever we're tempted by the most, and so that's, that's different for a lot of different people. Some people are tempted to uh, covet a, a Lamborghini and stuff like that. That's not my temptation. I don't have that temptation. But other people do. I got other temptations. So whatever we're tempted by the most, that's what we need to ask God to protect us from. So not only do we pray that, that daily for ourselves, we pray that for our brothers and sisters in Christ every day. So we got to remember we're in a battle for our souls, and we need to remember to pray every day, Lord, protect us in this battle. Father, protect us. That's the fifth petition. And that brings us to the sixth and final petition Jesus tells us to pray daily. Father, deliver us. So at the end of Matthew 6, 13, Jesus tells us to pray daily, deliver us from evil. So every day that you and I walk out into this world, we step into a war zone. And the quicker we learn to look at our lives that way, the quicker we're going to become holy as God is holy. You remember we used to sing songs like uh, Onward Christian Soldier, stuff like that, right? Where did those songs go? Those songs are lost because we have preached a different gospel than the earlier generation was preaching. We preach a false gospel, they preach a true gospel. Anyway, I don't want to get into all that. But being in Christ, being in a follower of Christ means we are in a war. It's a daily war for our souls and the souls of people around us. And the Scriptures say Satan, the evil one, that old serpent, the devil, is our adversary in this war. And Satan is cunning, he's clever, and he's constantly on the prowl looking for some stray soul to devour. As Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober and watchful because your adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan is not your friend. He wants you to believe he is. He appears as an angel of light, but he's not your friend. Satan absolutely hates your guts. And he will kill us and our entire family if we give him the chance. How many of y'all would let a mass murderer into your house and say, come on in, man, come on in. Me and my family, welcome in. Well, that's what we do when we allow Satan into our lives. A mass murderer has killed more people than anybody ever will, right? Satan, he's behind all that. See, Jesus said Satan is a murderer and he's a liar. And Satan's goal is to destroy us all. Every human being wants to destroy all of us through deception. 
And one way Satan accomplishes his goal is through tempting us to sin and then lying to us about the consequence of sin. See, Satan knows what God told Adam and Eve still applies today. Now, the Lord said to Adam and Eve, the day you eat from this forbidden tree, the tree I've told you not to eat from, the day you eat from that, you will die. What does Satan say? You will not surely die. That's what he said, right? Now, Ezekiel says the, whole, the same thing that, that the Lord had told Adam and Eve, the soul who sins will die. But again, Satan told Adam and Eve they would not die, and Satan still says the same thing to us today. And a lot of his ministers on the radio say the same thing. They tell us, I heard one dude say, they said, you cannot, cannot outsend the grace of God. If somebody could get that dude to just stop talking, that would be one of the greatest things that would ever happen, right? Nowhere do the Scriptures teach us that we cannot outsend the grace of God. It's just not, it's not true. So we got to stay sober-minded and alert so we can spot Satan's schemes and resist him. And if you listen to people like that who say things like that, who say that your sins won't kill you, that the Lord took all the sins and there's nothing you can do to lose any salvation, if you listen to any of those people, cut that off. Don't listen to those. Those people are liars. They're deceivers. They are, it doesn't matter how nice they are, how good their voice sounds. None of that matters. They're teaching non-truths that will lead people into hell. They are Satan's ministers, and we're supposed to avoid them. So how do we resist Satan? Well, James tells us in James 4, 6 through 8, he said, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we resist Satan by humbly, humbling ourselves under God's mighty hand, by drawing near to God in prayer, by submitting ourselves to do God's will. And when we submit to God and when we resist the devil, the devil will flee from us. So when we try to face Satan on our own, we're going to lose every time. That's what too many of us try to do. That's why we, people fall into sin all the time because we're not resisting Satan, and we're not seeking after God. When, we, when, when through prayer we put God between us and the evil one, God will deliver us. So that's what we got to do. We can't get here fighting Satan on our own. Don't strut around calling Satan out and all the stuff like people do. We don't do that stuff. The Lord told Satan to get behind him, but what I got to do is get Satan behind me by putting the Lord in between. You know what I'm saying? Put the Lord between me and Satan. That's what we have to do. I do hear people running around saying, I told Satan this, I told Satan that. Don't talk to Satan. Don't talk to Satan. Say, if, if you are going to talk to him, say, hey, Satan, go talk to the Lord about it. That's what you do. <laughs> so we got to put God between us and the evil one. And when we do that, God will deliver us. So Jesus teaches us to pray daily, Father, deliver us. Now, as we close, I want to encourage you to make the Lord's Prayer a daily part of your life in at least two ways. First, pray the Lord's Prayer at least one time every day and pray it word for word. Now, you can never go wrong praying the words of Jesus to the Father because this is a perfect prayer. There's no more perfect prayer that any of us could pray than what Jesus taught us in this prayer. Second, you can use the Lord's Prayer as a model to keep you focused on the right things when you pray. So when we're praying to the Lord and 
if we're going to pray out of our minds and we say, hey, is what I'm getting ready to pray, is this in line with what Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer? If we remember these six petitions that King Jesus teaches us to focus on, then we'll always pray perfect prayers. So every day we need to petition our Father to sanctify us, to rule in us, to sustain us, to forgive us, protect us, and deliver us. And if we'll focus on these six things, then we can be sure our Father will answer us. Because when we pray as Jesus taught us to pray, we can be sure we're praying according to God's will. And when we pray according to God's will, this is somewhere in 1 John, when we pray according to God's will, we know that He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that we have whatever we've asked from God. So that's the Lord's Prayer. Let's go all, all, all today and end up. remember to pray those things throughout the week. Let's all stand for prayer. So what better way to close today than uh, saying the Lord's Prayer together, right? We're going to pray the traditional version, the one we pray every Sunday morning. We're going to pray that together. So let's do it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So they're going to sing a final song. And before they, or as they do that, I want to uh, invite anybody who wants to to come forward. You can pray by yourself. Kneel down up here and pray. You can just stand up here and pray. There will also be people up here to pray for you. If you have a need that's not being met, come forward. We'd like to pray for you. Uh, if there's something I've said today that you have a question about, I'll be available after after the service. If you don't know the Lord and you want to know the Lord or you want to know how to become a part of his body and how God can become your father, well, I, again, I invite you to ask me about that as we, uh, as we leave today. Any question at all you have, I'll, I'll be available for that. So they're going to sing this final song. Before they do that, I'm going to sing, uh, sing. I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer. Not the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to say the Lord's Blessing. Yeesh. Say the Lord's Blessing over y'all. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
Proclaim that, declare that over your life today. Oh.